Well, it's about time. Garen Emig and Bill Haston back with you after a bit of a, of a hiatus. Very happy to be here. Thank you very much for watching or listening. And thank you very much for reading our material at the uh, the Tulsa World. It's uh, it's summertime, Bill, and that used to mean uh, we throw it neutral for 10 weeks and not, you know, don't bother us, put the don't bother us sign on the door and then get and then reconvene when practice starts, football practice in August. But of course, that was before the uh, the issues of realignment and uh, and anything related to uh, millions and millions of dollars uh, came calling in college athletics. And now there's just as big a chance, if not more of one, that something big breaks in the so-called sleepy season as there is between uh, September and May and or April. And that's what happened yesterday uh, with regard to USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Um, I'll start here. Did the did last summer's uh, bomb drop by Texas and Oklahoma? Did that brought the impact to you of, of yesterday's story or was it still shocking to read that come across the line? Um. No, nothing yesterday shocked me. Uh, I was thinking about my personal reaction to Arkansas leaving the Southwest Conference in 92. That was shocking. I'd been in Texas most of my life, and there had always been Arkansas in the SWC, and, and then they leave to go to the SEC, and that, that blew my mind. And then you have, for the most part, stability in conference membership until what 12 years ago mm -hmm. and then all the movement with uh nebraska and mizzou and and then west virginia coming in to the big 12 that was a shocking really the, the most the only time i could truly say i was shocked by big sweeping changes in college football was that that whole process nebraska a&m colorado uh them all getting out and, and so, um, of course, last summer, yeah, of course, it, it was a shocker. Uh, but I, I just think my senses have been dulled a right. little um, and, and just like in sports as a whole, there's just so, there's just been so much, so many outrageous stories and developments, and tragedies. Not that this is a tragedy. I'm not saying that. But, but there's been so many shocking stories that I, I think – it's going to take a lot for any of us to be shocked now. So, no, I mean, it, and it has felt for 12 years that we were heading here anyway, mm -hmm. right, to a super heavyweight division, a true super heavyweight division. And it was kind of hypothetically discussed for a while, and now it's just it's, it's beyond imminent. It's going to happen. I mean, so, uh, no, it, it – it, it made me think more immediately, honestly, about schools like Tulsa and OSU. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll be talking to Rick Dixon later today. Uh, poor Rick is fly fishing in in Montana, I think, and, and you know, trying to get away from it all. And he's got me texting him about all this yesterday. So, um, like you say, the there's not a slow season anymore. There's not a everybody take a step back and exhale season. Think about it too. I mean, these, most of these deals don't get like finalized or these processes don't get finalized until in season. So it's, and, and sports is such a big business now that I think we should kind of brace and always prepare and expect mm -hmm. big stories like this 
at this time every year. And now this is two years in a row of blockbusters. Yeah. Southern Cal in the Big Ten. How about that? We've got, you mentioned Tulsa and Oklahoma State. And I want to get into this a little bit. Um, it, it's interesting. The reaction, for, if, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you don't, it's not like you sit this one out because this this will trickle down to the, this will trickle over, not down. There's no down to the SEC. This will trickle over to the SEC eventually. And maybe around the time the Sooners start playing ball in the SEC, we'll have a better idea of uh, what what that league, uh, what the final you know conference membership is going to look like, assuming that they're going to counter USC and uh, UCLA to the Big Ten with something. Um, but but Oklahoma's future set. They're going to be a player, clearly, in the SEC, one of the power twos, as, as, as I called it yesterday. Um, it is the, a power two. The yeah. Situation, yeah, the situation with Oklahoma State is obviously more complicated because um, right now the Cowboys exist on the outside of that structure, and yet they've done a lot, and you know this as well as anybody, they've done so much the last – what, eight to 10 years to position themselves to be a national player competitively. They're, they're doing what they can financially uh, building the, the, the word is brand. That's, that's the, you know, the, the almost a cliched word for it now, but you know what I mean? They first under Mike Holder now with Chad Weiberg, Mike Gundy being the constant behind all that, the driving force regarding the football uh, revival. And so OSU is in a much better position to 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 try to find a, a a firm and and lucrative role in the new power structure of college sports, but we we're uncertain as to what exactly that is, and uh, that's that I think is going to be the the story to follow if you want to localize it. It's it obviously the, yesterday's bulletin had to do with two California programs and a Big Ten conference that that folks around here pay attention to just fans, but, but don't have any vested interest in, but because everything does tremor over. And uh, the word that Chad Weiberg used yesterday with Jeremy Poplin on the blitz was ripples. And there are going to be ripples and they are going to arrive in Stillwater. We got to figure out what that means for the Cowboys. Right. Do you have, do you have an out of the box idea of what that means? No, I don't. I, I, I listened to that. Weiberg interview, and I just thought, you know, two weeks in, after he became the AD last year, OU in Texas, that leak, that got leaked out of College Station. Now here he is coming up on a uh, holiday weekend, and today, in fact, is the first anniversary of his appointment. As right. Here we go again with, uh, you know, him him having to look into the future. See, I, I think OSU is outfitted – for whatever's next, and is there going to be a place on the lifeboat for OSU? Well, it's certainly uh, more likely or more plausible now than pre-Holder, uh, Boone Pickens, uh, all the facilities development. Uh, I mean, you you just you just shudder to think if they had done even only half of what they've done with facilities, it might not be enough. But because of that ballpark, because of all the other Olympic sports facilities they've developed, and because of a $300 million stadium renovation, uh, and I think soon uh, more eye candy for football will be announced. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's good for OSU, too. You know what would have, who would have been a great weapon for OSU right now? A great weapon would have been Boone Pickens circa 2007, when he was at the height of his powers at – at or near the height of uh, the high end of his wealth, 
and he was a really politically connected dude now. He, Boone Pickett. But you know who else is? I think Chad is. I think his, his, I think you're right. His relationship reach goes way beyond right. the Stillwater, Manhattan, Lubbock triangle. When those are the three main schools, he's you know he's associated been associated with. But uh, I think Chad, uh, to his credit, it's almost like he's been grooming himself for a long time for this. Maybe not this moment because who could see who could have seen this all of this fifteen years ago? But but anticipating that he would be an AD, and he just seems like one of those people who has kind of prepared himself for a long time with relationships and being informed. And and so I, I think Chad Weiberg is one phone call away from a lot of important people, uh, and he has relationships at the network level too. Isn't that crazy too? They just Big 12 rolls out a new commissioner uh, and then and then this pops. So uh, an out-of-the-box commissioner for sure. But that's going to be the way of the world from now on too, I think, is you're not going to hire retired coaches or former former coaches or, or even uh, career administrators as much as you're going to hire savvy, uh, media-connected, media-minded right. business people like, like the Big 12. Just hired a guy, a Jay-Z associate. So yeah, about that. Yeah. The the term that Weiberg, I sat down with, with Chad Weiberg at Big 12 Spring Meetings, Bill. Um, gosh, feels like feels like six months ago. It was just a month ago. Mm -hmm. And we talked for an hour about him sort of, we, we did some step retracing with regard to how, you know, from the time that, the, that OU in Texas, uh, when that went public, you know, through the, all that turmoil, through the addition of the four schools by Bob Bowlesby to counter OU Texas, and then all the way up to where where you know where we sat that day in in, in down in uh, Irving, and I the term that, or the the phrase he used with me was, I feel like we're finally able to play offense after being on the defense for for out of that you know right out of that gate back in July to your reference point when 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 he and Casey Shrum were officially introduced. And uh, I saw that clearly. I saw clearly what he was talking about uh, because it, what Oklahoma and Texas did put ev put everybody in the Big 12 on the defensive. And, and as much as you want to be proactive, of course, there was a lot of reacting going on to that story. But um, when everyone had a chance to gather, Weiberg, Shrum, and OSU included, you could, you could sort of start, you could start to see your way forward. And is it, and, and isn't it interesting now is this could present another opportunity for Oklahoma State to do that? It could. What, what, has, to be, uh, what has to be realized, however, is that there are still things outside of OSU's control. I, none of us know, for all of the talk about, you know, we want to cap this at like, what, 20 teams maybe per these two super conferences? I mean, we, we, that's a number that I think is, is conveniently thrown out as where this is headed, but none of us know if that's where, if that's where we're headed. Um, you have so many wild Notre Dame being maybe the the wild card in all of this. What do, what do the Irish decide to do with regard to football affiliation? Is this the time they finally suck it up and join a league? They're going to join the Big Ten, don't you think they'll join the Big Ten? I would think they'd do that before the SEC, yeah. uh, or and I'd probably think they would do that before the ACC. But but that's that's just it. What if Notre Dame get uses its affiliation with the ACC? What if Jim Phillips throws more weight around than we think he can as ACC's commissioner? And what if uh, 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 Clemson, Notre Dame, Florida State, ACC 
uh, feels emboldened to go raid the Big 12 for Oklahoma State. And oh, by the way, picks off a couple of pack the, of the, the hottest properties in the Pac-12 just to form it, sort of a third super conference. I mean, we're thinking in terms of does OSU stay in the Big 12 or join one of the Power Two? Well, maybe there is a scenario where there is a Power 2.5 or Power Third in in all of this. So, um, all of this is to say that as much as as Weiberg has finally reached a point where he can get out on the front foot to a lot of these issues and what OU and Texas did last summer. Now, all of a sudden, USC and UCLA go to the Big Ten, and you wonder how much defense is, is, is all of a sudden being played again, even back at the Big 12 and in Stillwater. And that's that's got to be a real tough thing to wrap, uh, to wrap your head around if you're Chad. I think there's unprecedented urgency with a lot of the schools on Oklahoma State's level with regard uh, to the, these leagues creeping up toward the end of current television contracts mm -hmm. or media rights contracts and, and – so um, I, I do think that I remember looking at all sorts of numbers and, and everything from uh, athletics budgets to, and by the way, you know, OSU this year uh, for the fiscal year that starts now, I think OSU is at $100 million, mm -hmm. which I think, what did I figure, 12 years ago, Garen, they were at $49 million. They have doubled, man, in a decade. Wow. Uh, yeah. And and so OSU has proved this is going to be a little bit of a stressor or maybe a great stressor uh, with regard to the, the fan base of OSU, which has always been a smaller fan base, but a very loyal, loyal and true fan base, right? And uh, but the pressure on the OSU fan base now to sustain itself as a every game, 50, 52, 53,000 people in the stadium uh, every week. I mean, it's greater than ever. It's not a, there's no luxury to it. It's, it's, yeah, it's an absolute must. And, and now Mike Gundy is at least for the time being the highest paid coach in the big 12. So OSU has shown, that it's not afraid to spend and invest in football. Uh, and I do believe though, after all those, that that research I did it a few months ago, I remember thinking, all right, so if, if you look at the obvious schools who would be in a super heavyweight division, who are the next, who are the best available? Otherwise, like a Kuiper's best available, you know, on the draft. Right, line. right. And it was hard to argue that OSU you couldn't argue that OSU wouldn't be in at least the top five or six of that next best mm -hmm. available list. And so uh, when you talk about the possibility of a third uh, power conference, I think OSU would fit right in. And I, I think OSU is going to find a place because of, because of longevity with coaching, uh, because they've had a string of 10-win seasons, because they did invest in the stadium. Um, you know, and it, I, it, it's only a tiny piece of the puzzle, but it can't hurt that maybe their last football game they beat Notre Dame <laughs> uh, in an epic way. Right, so, uh, right. Um, I, I, I feel like OSU will land on its feet in a good place and in a good way, whether that's like you say, one of as a member of one of these two, or or a, you know, uh, 
an upstart third league that might be driven by Clemson, maybe Notre Dame. I don't know. I don't know. Notre Dame has historically been, you know, until 1970, Notre Dame didn't even, they wouldn't even play in bowl games. And it was a big deal when Notre Dame agreed to play in the Cotton Bowl against Texas at mm -hmm. that time. Oh, my Lord, Notre Dame in a bowl. Uh, so um, I, I just think the time has come for them to, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't see the value anymore of them remaining independent or whatever it is they are, an independent with a, a friend with benefits, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> It's about sorry. right. No, that's about right. Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like for Tulsa. Uh, although, I mean, you like the whole uh, March Madness concept where everybody that's in has a chance. But in football, for sure, uh, that's that hasn't been the case. That's never been the case. Mm -hmm. Six to 12 teams every year that can win it and – maybe 10 to 20 teams that every year that can even justifiably think about it. So, yeah. uh, you know, what happens with TU football? I think they'll still play 12 games every year and, and still have some sort of conference championship to shoot for and, and, uh, and a ball game. And Yeah, you know, a, a mutual friend of ours asked me just today, and I wish I'd thought, I wish, of course, at the time, I, I, I didn't have the right, way to explain how I felt about TU, you know, TU's potential place in all of this. And so I was sort of grasping it. I'm not sure what to call it. I just don't, I just, the only thing I know is that the relevance factor is, is a problem in, in the, in the super conference here, a place, you know, a program like TU. And I, I think five, 10 minutes later, I, it, it dawned on me that I, I think the way to, that I would go about phrasing this is that if we if we loop Tulsa in, well not loop they are there if if we if we label Tulsa a group of five school as 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 uh, as they are right now with regard to football because that's that's a defining term sure if if there is a a super conference structure by 2024 and the SEC and the Big Ten towers over everything else and it's you know it's scraps for the rest of the the former Power Fives and, and they're you know doing what they can to, to, again, maintain relevance or or uh, revenue, whatever you want to call it. it, it, it in that era, Bill, TU feels almost like, the way I would describe it in in today's terms, TU feels like one double A. That, that's, that's, to me, how it would look. That's, that's sort of what kind of structure difference you're looking at. Right. And I, I, I thought D2, that's probably too, that's probably a little bit too stark. But don't you, th I mean, that's almost this, the, today's group of fives, outside of the four that are going to the to the or the three from the American that are going to the Big Twelve, maybe Boise, maybe Memphis, because they're they're rumored to be next in line if the Big Twelve mm -hmm. were to expand. That was before yesterday. Um, below that level, any and this isn't just to you. Any current group of five program in the Super Conference era is pretty much one, to me is pretty much one double A. Yeah. No, I, I mean they're. You know, I've been to a lot of great concerts where the opening act was outstanding and kind of set the scene or set the table for a great night, right? And I just think, I think those schools are kind of going to be the, uh, I, th you, I think you'll see more Thursday and Friday games than ever before for them to have their window, you know, um, 
and, and there's always going to be a place for those schools. But I, I mean, I don't know that they're not already viewed that way today anyway. By I mean, not everybody watches as intently or with the same kind of eyes that you and I do. I'm talking about college football. Right. Football. So I can watch a South Alabama game. If I tune into a South Alabama game against a conference opponent and it's deep third quarter and it's tied and it's like obviously an entertaining game, I'm going to stay with it. I think a lot of people, uh, they're going to watch the Sooners. They're going to watch uh, the Crimson Tide, anybody in the top 10 maybe, and but their consumption may not go uh, to the level that mine does. I'm always going to, I'm always going to be uh, aware of and, and, and connected to all levels of major college football because there are multiple levels. Um, but I think, I don't think this makes uh, the American or the Mountain West or any other kind of seem like one double A. Yeah, they already seem like one double A. It's not to say you can't get great football out of them. And Cincinnati crashed the party in the playoff last year, and Tulsa nearly crashed the party for Cincinnati out at Cincinnati. Came that close to beating them. Um, so it's still relevant, very interesting football. And I don't know that those schools necessarily guarantee lose a whole lot of their market share they have today. But I mean, they're going to probably gain much more, if yeah. any, either. I mean, it's just going to be a different deal. It's going to yeah. be, I've seen a lot of uh, comparisons to, okay, uh, AFC and NFC is what you're going to have yeah. in college football. And it's correct. You're just going to have, uh, Ultimately, how many teams on each side of that AFC NFC deal? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, it's just it's going to break a lot of hearts uh, when they get to that number. It it's interesting you bring you use that term. I was I wanted to ask how you felt about all this, and I and I do that because I I'm thinking to how even 2000 I think 2000 this is 2022 2012 me would have been pretty blown away by all this. Mm -hmm. 2002 me would have been pretty pissed off by all of this because I think I still would have had some college athletics or college football purity in me, right? Or romanticism. I mean, I, I think I was on my way to being jaded and cynical, but I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't all the way there yet. Right. Right now, though, man, I mean, we've been hit with so much for so long. And we've seen the, 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 the grind of, of, you know, co the corporate structure and the, the, we see that we see the dollar figures. We see ESPN showing up three billion dollars to to take the SEC away from CBS. We see uh, football coaches making ten million a year. We, you know what I mean? It's all it all it just beats you down, doesn't it? And and you want to have you want to you you know you you want to sort of make a stand or, or or some you know stand on some kind of a moral high ground and say what. Uh, my my old friend Seth Emerson, who I got to know once upon a time when he was uh, when he covered um, uh, oh, who was he? he was covering an SEC school uh, back about fifteen years ago. I ran into him at an NCAA regional when they were um, oh no, he was covering South Carolina. And they were they thought for sure that they were going to get Jeff Capel. Remember him, Jeff Capel, the <laughs> Blake Griffin's OU basketball coach. And so we struck up a we've struck we've struck up a relationship since and on and off. And he wrote an interest a great piece in the Athletic today about. Uh, what are we doing here? 
You know, I mean, what should we stop and consider what's going on? And I, I, I it was a great piece, and I agreed with ninety eight percent of what Seth wrote. And yet, when I put it away, I was like, "Well, but what are you going to do about it?" And should I feel guilty for saying, "What are you going to do about it?" Is my question. I just, I, I think too about everything that's not football, and how much, how, you know, I, I'm, I mean, for so long. There was uh, great stability in the conference, the composition of these leagues, and the geographic relevance of these leagues. And my state's better than your state. Mm -hmm. Border states, and now, um, you know, Texas and AM haven't played in more than a decade now, and and Missouri and KU haven't played in football in more than a decade now, and so um, no, I mean, yeah, it bothers me. I mean. I wouldn't say it. I mean, when Arkansas left the the, S, the Southwest Conference, that that was really shocking to me, and that really jarred me. And that's when I realized, yeah, the SWC is doomed. And, but then the Big Twelve seemed to be the perfect league for anybody in this part of the country, and it was. I mean, think about it. I mean, driving distance, that many rivals within driving distance of each other, right up and down I thirty five, perfect league, and and it was short lived relatively and and so I just don't know about the wisdom of taking uh Southern Cal volleyball team to Rutgers you know for a competition I wonder if common sense might prevail on the other sports uh to have alliances or uh even conferences that are completely separate separate from football um because that's going to, I mean, that's a lot of expense and a lot of hassle and a lot of uh, wear and tear on, on young athletes. Mm -hmm. you go cross country for a regular season volleyball match or whatever. That, that, that's ridiculous. Football is such a, uh, it's such a big monster and they travel, honestly, most programs now travel very comfortably. They do. They charge, they, uh, I mean, OSU has flown charters uh, exclusively for a long time, OU as well. Uh, I think TU actually even charters most of their trips, if not all now. Mm -hmm. uh, so these these team, these football teams travel comfortably on their schedule um, with their food. And so I'm not so much worried about the, the grind of the travel on the football kids because they, they can do it in a way that these other these other kids having to tra travel commercially mm -hmm. uh, that that's that's just not a good model so i i think eventually if not uh you know imminently that you're going to see um football not only just make its own rules but football just be in its yeah. completely own universe and, mm -hmm. and everybody else Kind of figure it out as they go, and I don't think football is going to give a half a half of a damn. No, they get it done. It's just that we're football. This is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, and the rest of you guys figure out your stuff. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's. I'm going to miss so many of the traditions. I already do miss so many of the traditions. I mean, ain't it watching a, the Aggies and the Longhorns on Thanksgiving? I mean, that was a staple. For a long time, it's Thanksgiving weekend or Thanksgiving Day itself—that was a staple—and so we've been 
That's been taken away from us. Oh, you Nebraska, are you kidding me? I mean, what a great rivalry, and it's gone. So, um, yeah, there's part of me that's sad about it, but there's part of me, too, that um, would I want to go back to, um, you know, what the National Football League looked like in 1958? No. No, I like the NFL as it is now. It just takes some getting used to, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's just it, isn't it? I mean, if we – Everyone adjusts and moves on and gets and gets used to it. Um, but uh, if you if you allow yourself to stop and think about how we're getting where we're going, I think it's it can be really it can be sad and 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 a little bit yeah, just a lot of it tough to digest as to how how we've got. And again, not every not everything about this uh, this era of of everyone out to get theirs is wrong. I mean, you take something like NIL, something that should have been done years ago, and Putting money in the you know the hands and, and accounts of athletes based on these you know these dollar figures we're talking about that that part is progress. Uh, all the other all the other mechanisms around college football in particular and college sports in general, not as they don't go down as easy. Um, and if you if you do allow yourself to, to over a beer or a glass of wine or you just can't sleep at night for whatever reason. If you think, if you link long enough about it, you get, you get a little depressed is, is all I'm saying. And, and maybe. Uh, it would be amazing though, to be able to eavesdrop on some of the conversations Joe Castiglione is having with various people right now. And some of the conversations Chad is having uh, with people around the country and just to get a feel for yeah. possibilities, you know, especially on the OSU side of it. Well, there may come there may come that that day uh, where Chad Weiberg, and this is a guy I just I saw have a have a conversation over lunch with Joe Castiglione. So it's not like they're not on speaking terms over what happened eleven months ago, right? Uh, right, right. They're professionals, like like uh, like you'd expect them to be, but they're going to come a point pretty soon. Something tells me where that dialogue is is going to pick up uh, from OSU standpoint. They're going to be interested in continuing a dialogue if they feel Oklahoma can vouch or help in any way, shape, or form to get them. Assuming the SEC is where they want to go to get them where they want to go, and, I, and that's to say that we uh, we assume that that's where they want to be or go. I don't know. We've talked a half hour, and we have or right at a half hour. We haven't even talked about, and we're not going to today. That's something we can talk about in August. But um, the trickle down effect with uh, the player freedom of player movement at the college level. What I have seen over the last six weeks in high school football. I was gonna I was gonna bring it up as something that we need to put on the agenda for next time. Sure. Well, I mean, it, has it quiet? Let me ask you this: Has it quieted down? Um. Well, I mean, it, it's not like they put out press releases, so I mean, there could be. <laughs> well, that's well, true. There, there could be movement like yesterday, today, this weekend that I'm not even aware of. Yeah. Uh, I think there's been some copycat movement, uh, where you, you know, uh, maybe a kid or a family looks and says, "Hey, they did it." Yeah. Right. Let's go. And uh, but it's been uh, it's been an unbelievable uh, last six weeks or so mm -hmm. uh, player movement and and to have a, 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 a an eighth grader to be will be a ninth grader actually I guess officially is a ninth grader now from Los Angeles he has offers already from Oregon Arizona Texas A and M Florida State he's about to get one from Georgia and he's about to get one from Texas before he's ever taken a varsity snap and he moves from Los Angeles where he was considering schools like modern day for his high school. And he moves to jinx 
where his dad was a championship quarterback there 30, almost 30 years ago. And his dad is a Hollywood uh, actor and producer. And he's going to move his entire film production company to Tulsa, P12 Films, Brian Preston. What a... And then the quarterback at Jinx last year was a ninth grader. He announced union, which is like if, uh, if a quarterback won the national title at OU and then transferred to Texas the next year. So anyway, yeah, it's it, it, we get to August and we see how the, all this shakes out and who is where. And I, you know what? I will predict this before we disconnect. Sure. Yeah. There'll be more movement. There'll be a second wave of movement. There'll be another wave of movement in August. After kids get into camp and you start seeing how reps are divided up, there'll be more of this in August. Mm -hmm. And it, it'll probably be at a great, might be at a greater volume. And this has just been so remarkable lately because it involved so many high-profile quarterbacks. I went to a 707 at Owasa last week. Everywhere you look around, there's a, an, a, a well-known, talented quarterback in a different uniform now. And, um, and there's a reason now uh, these kids complete 68% instead of 53% like they did 20 years ago. Because yeah. they do this all year long, man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I'm picturing I'm picturing a I'm picturing a coach right now accounting kids uh, as as he loads a van up to, to take him back to to his campus from that from that seven on seven. <laughs> an all after right. an afterthought until right now, and he's literally so okay. One, two, three, four. What do I have them? Do I have, <laughs> do I have all seven? Seriously, right? Or or is. <laughs> Or do we have a representative who's uh, who's walking my kid over to the coach? I just right. Or if 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 your rival's uh, van or bus is passing you on the highway and, and your starting quarterback <laughs> is on that bus waving, <laughs> that's about where we are. It is actually. It's well, yeah. The jinx thing. The the kid practiced with the Trojans. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember reading that. The next day was with the uh, union on May twenty seventh. Unbelievable of a team camp. So yeah. Makes for a salty uh, fall of 22, doesn't it? Yeah. No, no doubt. Are you kidding me? I mean, <sighs> Jinx Union, uh, week two. Uh, is it week two or week three? Anyway, it's in the first three weeks. Yeah. Uh, Bixby Owasso uh, on opening night at TU. Mm -hmm. There'll be 25,000 there for that. Mark my word. And, and Bixby's starting quarterback, I'm guessing, will be their starting quarterback. He was at Owasso last year. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And to think we once wondered to put up things to talk about as sports writers in the middle of summer, that yeah. uh, the day is gone. So well, uh, it be, interesting. Uh, we, we could uh, count on the Thunder making a deep playoff run. But Well, there's yeah, we yeah, we could have heck, we could have spent uh, we could have spent a half hour on the draft and uh, Durant's uh, little uh, latest Fourth of July uh, week uh, charade and uh, Lou Dort could have talked about Lou Dort. Lou Dort got a lot of money, man. Lou Dort got some people say Lou Dort got too much money. Well, he's it's averaging out at about seventeen and a half million. That's uh, a lot of money. That's a lot of money, man. Uh, he's 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 got a lot of value, uh, but that, that's a ton of money. Um, money. Kevin Durant, though, um, yeah, where he ends, I guess it's the Phoenix is most speculated as as his landing spot, but. Uh -huh. And what Phoenix would have to give up to get him, 
is it's, uh, would be unprecedented. Yeah. That level of talent plus picks going back to Brooklyn. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't blame Kevin Durant for wanting to leave because Kyrie Irving is a is a team wrecker. He's a culture wrecker. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, Kevin left six years ago this weekend. Mm-hmm. See, that's been six years ago. Mm-hmm. I could ramble forever about that week. Wow. Uh, I just don't know what it'll ever take, him to, take to make him happy. I don't think he's going to be. I don't he's a man destined to not be to just not be at peace, which is a shame. Yeah, it is. All right, Gary. I missed you. It's good to see you again. Thanks for watching, listening, folks, and for reading. Most of all, uh, we'll do this again soon, I promise.